Welcome to Single Mom Stories with Kelly Travis, a show that brings you stories and conversations about life as a single mom, the mess and the beauty and everything in between. Well, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Single Mom Stories podcast. I'm Kelly, your host, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. I say this every week, I know. It's just the truth. Anyway, as a reminder, if you're not hanging out with me over on Instagram, find me at Single Mom Stories Podcast. There is a group for this podcast called Single Mom Stories on Facebook. Come hang out. And if you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review so others can find it. Single moms, single parents, moms, you don't have to be single. I was just having a conversation with a dear friend of mine the other day, and she was telling me how she's been listening to this podcast, and she is not a single mom. And I really appreciated her feedback and what she said about the podcast coming from somebody who is not a single parent. So obviously, the content here is relatable to everyone who is parenting And I want to make sure that we continue to reach folks who can appreciate it and that find it helpful. So here we are. We have an interview today with Jay Rosemarie, and I'm going to tell you about her in a minute. Let me tell you what's coming up. A lot of interviews. I have been having so much fun talking with moms. And I want to remind you that if you listen to this podcast and you want to be on the show. Definitely fill out the form. The link is in uh, the show notes. Or if you go to singlemomstories.net, the application is right there. And I'm also starting to bring on dads who are experiencing the single dad life. And I'm starting to think about bringing on moms who do just a lot of the juggling on their own. So I'm playing with that as well. But if you're interested or you know someone is please make sure that you fill out the application. Um, I also have an expert parenting person (laughs) coming on soon. So make sure to listen in. That'll be around July. So lots of fun stuff coming down. Let's talk about Jay Rosemary. She is a divorced mom of three adults. She is an empty nester. So I love this conversation because she speaks with perspective about life as a parent afterwards. And you know how hindsight is twenty twenty. She gives advice from that perspective, which I believe is relevant regardless of your relationship status. So whether you're parenting solo or you have a partner in it. She's the creator of two podcasts, Solo Moms Talk and Tools of the Podcast Trade. She began her broadcasting journey in 2014 when she started an online radio station. She enjoys mentoring solo moms as well as new podcasters. One of her businesses is that she helps people who are interested in starting a podcast. So definitely make sure you check her out. She just loves helping others find answers to their questions. She considers herself a mindset maven who believes mindset is everything and things only happen when we have the courage to believe. She loves to travel solo, reads extensively, and journals consistently. 
I really, really enjoyed this conversation with Jay Rose Marie. I think you're going to love it too. So if you enjoy this, definitely take a screenshot, tag me in it, send me a DM, let me know your takeaways and um, stay tuned for more. All right, let's go. Here is Jay Rosemary. Welcome to the show, Jay Rosemary. I am so excited to have you on to talk all things single motherhood and thrilled for you to be able to share your story. Welcome. Thank you, Kelly. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. So can we just get right into it? And can you tell us about the when and the how and the beginnings of things for you? So uh, this journey, you know, the solo mom journey for me really started when my youngest were two and four years, years old. And I have three sons. The two youngest are from my second marriage. I came home one day with them and the house was trashed. It was empty of anything valuable, just full of trash. And at first I thought we were robbed. And then as I went walked through the house, I realized that, you know, my ex had just packed and left. And he took even the kids' piggy bank. What was in the kids' piggy bank? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So that started a journey where I was totally alone because I was new to the U.S. And, you know, here I was with two little boys and I was kind of desperate because I just started. I was an insurance agent and I just started uh, an insurance agency, just, you know, trying to get some clients and stuff like that. And so, as you know, any business starting is fragile. And to have all of that thrown in the mix, you know, stuff just got out of hand. And, you know, I got sick. I got, it was just hard. It was hard, tough, you know, because there's no one to help me in any way, shape or form. And was all your family in Canada? So most of my family is in England where I grew up. Yeah, that's where my parents are, my brothers and sisters, aunts, uncles, just everybody. I was born in Jamaica. Okay. You know, so... I guess I'm kind of a wanderer. <laughs> For sure. But um, when I came to Canada, I left England. I married, got married my first time and came to Canada, had my first son. That didn't work out. So I went to the US. And so it was tough because for me, most of the thing is because I'm, I'm one of those people who will do what it takes. Yeah. You know, within reason to just get by as opposed to saying, well, it's me. But mentally... You know, I was depressed. I spent most of my time in my room and, and God sent some people into my life, you know, strangers, you know, it's funny. I can tell you the story. There was a young lady. She had a car. I knew her mom, right? But she was in high school and she used to come and take my boys and just drive with them all day. You know, she'd take them. Oh, wow. Some weekend she'd keep them. And I would offer to pay her, you know, not that I had it, but she would just refuse, flat out refuse to take any money. And this, this lasted for maybe a year. And it's the weirdest thing because I asked my oldest son the other day, do you know a girl who used to help me out? And she said, no, I don't remember anybody like that. So maybe she was an angel, <laughs> but I didn't dream it up because, you know, she was there for me. So something like that happened quite a bit. Wow. And where were you living then? I was in Atlanta. Okay, you were in Atlanta. Yeah. You didn't really know anybody. Not really, no. Wow. Yeah. So 
Fast forward, and if you want to ask me about that later, we can. Okay. Fast forward, I'm in New York. Okay. And I'm going to, I'm attending a church because I became a Christian when I was 17. And, you know, but life's been rough and I blame God for everything. But, you know, (laughs) that's another story. And I went to church and at the church, they had a discovery group. Okay. And in that discovery group, there were 13 women. We had a night, it was a nine week program. And it was learning all about God and how God loves us and is our father. And we got a chance to just talk about stuff that was going on with us because, you know, where was this daddy when we needed him, right? Right. And so I'm thinking to myself, wow, (laughs) you know, I thought I was the only one, you know, going through all this mental anguish because I had two kids, you know, how am I going to take care of them? And then... I thought to myself, it would be nice if all single moms at the time had this resource, was able to do this. Yes. It was like, you know, God whispered to me, well, why don't you? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, no, why don't I? I'm, I'm like that. I'll start something at the drop of a hat. So I researched the single mom and there wasn't a lot of positive sentiment no. online about single moms. And I went, now we got to change this because I'm not one of those people these people are talking about. Mm -mm. And the women I was sitting around with for nine weeks aren't those type of people. And so I realized that we had to change our perception of who a mother raising children alone is. Yes. And so because I was divorced, I knew widowed moms. I know single moms who things happen and it happened. None of us are faultless. And there were also married moms who daddy was home, but only in body. Alone, yeah. Or he was there sometimes, sometimes I wasn't, you know. And so I I adapted the word term solo mom. Maybe in a research I saw online, maybe it was pure research. I don't remember who it was, but when I was researching, I'm like, that fits. Yeah. That really fits. And so those were solo moms talk came about because I wanted to capture and curate the stories of solo moms wherever they are in life and in geographical locations. So, so yeah, that's how that started. And that was, how old were your kids at that point? So when, when I did the discovery group, I would say they were about 12 and 14. Okay. So this was years later. Yeah. You'd been doing it for a while. You were almost an expert at that point. (laughs) No. So this is when I discovered, right? This is when the discovery group came about. Yeah. So this is when I'm in full awareness now that one, I may not have known my real father. And just to quickly give you a brief background is that I was raised by my grandfather, my mom's dad. From the time I was nine months old. Wow. My mom left me. I didn't meet my mom till I was about 14. Okay. So I didn't have a father figure in my life. And so being a Christian and, you know, you hear it in church all the time, God's the father, God's the father, but you just think, you know, one of those fathers going to whip you when you do something wrong, right? <laughs> hey, that's all God is. He's, he's better than me. So he'll whip me when I do something wrong. Yeah. It's your perspective. <laughs> But then I discovered in this group that no, it wasn't like that. Not really. He loved you, you know, just like a father should. Uh-huh. Right? So this is when all the discovery took place. Okay. 
And when the thing came, so this is like, again, why focus on mindset to start this, to start some kind of forum. Uh, I didn't know about podcasts at the time. I think it was like 2013. Okay. So early. Yeah. I started an online radio station, but it wasn't working for me. And then I discovered podcasting from John Lee Dumas. Uh It took me six years to start the podcast because my mind just told me that one, nobody wanted to hear it. Mm. You know, who was I to tell my story? You know, uh, my voice didn't sound right. I mean, I, I even went as far as to listen to somebody else's voice that I thought was worse than mine, you know, <laughs> the lizard brain, you know? Absolutely. And just that imposter syndrome creeping in, you're not good enough. Yeah. So that's why it took so long because, and that's why I focus so much on mindset because it's just everything. It is. Sound like a cliche, but it is everything. And I imagine that's what got you through. I mean, for all of us that are on our own, um, whether by choice or not, it is the mindset. Like every day, I always have people who will ask me, like, I don't know how you do it, Kelly. And I say, well, if you had no other choice, you would probably figure it out too, right? I mean, we just yes. have to get up and do our best every day. So speaking of, you've traveled a bit throughout this time while you were a solo mom, your kids were young when you, your husband left you. Mm -hmm. Tell me some of the challenges, like let's talk about the rough spots. And then I want to talk about some of the bright ones too. Okay. So I think the biggest thing for me, and I, I think again, it was a mindset thing because it was ingrained in me that I was never safe making a decision and sitting with that decision. And I was never, where I live, I wasn't going to be living there long because I had no control over how long I lived there. Because when my grandfather died when I was 12 and I stayed with my aunt, my aunt shipped me off to England. So I was like, you know, I have no foundation. Right. I lived my life that way as a solo mom. And I was always afraid that I was going to be evicted. And, you know, there's something that says, uh, I think it's in the Bible that says that some man think it so easy. And I always thought that there's no safety in life for me. I was always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Well, yeah. And so between the moves as a child and maybe even last year, I probably moved 25 times. My kids, by the time they were, my middle kid was 14. They had moved 15 times. Wow. So a lot of moving because there was always some reason why I couldn't maintain a household. And looking back, I know it wasn't because of my circumstances, because each of those circumstances can be overcome depending on how you perceive that circumstance. So I was always looking to be homeless. <laughs> it was the expectation. It was going to happen. And it happened. Yeah, it was ingrained in you. Yeah. And at one point, we were sleeping on my cousin's, you know, basement floor, you know, but thankfully it didn't last for long because, so I, I have this fear of basements now. <laughs> I won't live in a basement. <laughs> I live in a cardboard box before I live in a basement. I know. I grew up in Michigan and basements terrified me. It was like the creepy, like, you just don't go down there. I completely understand. <laughs> so there's rough points where 
it was scary. It was really scary because I didn't have to think about just me. And I'm one of those people, if I'm someplace and life's rough, I just fucking leave. Yeah. You know, I don't really think about the fact that here is better than there. I just up and leave. Yeah. Yeah. But then I had two little ones. You know, how do I do this with them? Mm-hmm. It was real challenging. There was a time when I was going to school. I was a real estate agent. So I'm in sales trying to make a mission. I'm going to school. And then I took a part-time job. At the time, they were both in school. So while they're at school, I'm at work and trying to drum up business. I'm at school. While they're in school, I'm at school and trying to drum up business. And just between the time they come home and evening, I'm at my part-time job. Mm -hmm. So they were home for maybe a couple hours before I get home. And then we were living in an apartment and the neighbor downstairs, we got a new neighbor. And, you know, they were like nine and 11 or they're two years apart. So they're around those, that age, that rambunctious age. Oh, yeah. So I knew they, I knew they rambled, right? Mm-hmm. This woman just kept complaining and kept complaining and kept complaining. And eventually she threatened to call social services for me. And that was, that was one of my biggest fears, losing my kids, right? Yes. So I had to quit my job. I had to quit the one thing that was providing that little support. Eventually, I had to just quit school because I had to go drum up some real estate business, you know, because it's all I had at the time. And it allowed me the freedom to stay at, be at home with my kids when they're home. So social services don't have to take them away. That was a big one, too, in that, you know, I just... I just had to give up some things, make some sacrifices so that I could, you know, take care of them. I feel like so much of parenting just in general is making sacrifices, right? Mm -hmm. And you add in the single parent factor and it's like double the amount, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, now your kids are older, they're out of the house, right? Mm -hmm. So looking back... Do you feel good about the sacrifices you made? I do because, you know, their dad, um, I didn't hear from him for two years after that. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, you know, I want to see them. And I'll say, well, you know, you know where they are. You left them. And then he say, well, no, I'm going to send my sister for them. And I didn't trust that because once he was doing some stuff I didn't like, well, nobody liked and then his, his own brother had kidnapped his daughter when he divorced his, you know, her mom. Oh, geez. And took the baby to Jamaica and hid the baby from. So I didn't want to have him to No. Because I knew, I knew who this person was, right? And I decided that, you know, you know if, you, if you want to see them, you can come see them. But there's no, no other effort involved here. <laughs> You know, so it never came. Oh, good for you. He never came in 20 something years and he hasn't laid eyes on them and neither the other way around. You touched on the juggling of careers while also raising kids, right? Yes. And I think that especially now during the pandemic with parents, you know, having to really shifts while their kids were home. It really speaks to that because you didn't have the support, right? You had no family. You had very little community except for some of the volunteer community that you 
did, which is amazing. Yeah. Every now and again, someone would pop up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how did you navigate that? Was it just one day at a time? It was. One of the things that God gave me was the, I didn't have the spirit of fear when it came to trying new things. Yes. I was one of the first people to have a bulletin board. When AOL was there, I had my own bulletin board and I had, I had an arts and crafts bulletin board. If I was able to maintain that, I would have been bigger than Facebook right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's a fast. <laughs> you know, I would do different things. Like I started a secretarial company one time and, you know, a printing company. I had, at one point, I had a contract with the VA to do transcription. So I'm doing a lot of different things. Uh, I was an insurance agent and being an insurance agent is one of the best career for women. Yeah. Especially moms, because insurance companies are very supportive of the mom. Yeah. You know, that is why I'm not a, you know, I don't love corporate America, I'm corporate that much. But when it comes to insurance company, they really take care of their female mom employees, you know. Okay. And so if you're an insurance agent, it's real, it's much easier to navigate career. You know, you have life insurance, you could sell. You could start your own agency. You could work in another agency. Just, just a lot of jobs. And a lot of that stuff can be done from home. Mm-hmm. You know, so <laughs> that in itself lasted for me 20 years. So every now and again, I could pop in and pop out of the career because of what it's able to do for me and what the companies were, their culture was supporting moms. Right. Well, it sounds like it has provided you security, right? Yes. I mean, knowing that you can go back to it, knowing that you have that available. Yes. That's huge. And you're scrappy. You just like figure it out, right? I think that's that's kind of, I really feel like that is the definition of single moms. Like they're scrapping. You got to figure yes. it out, especially when things get tight. Yes. <laughs> and they start eating more. Like my kids are two years apart mm-hmm. and two boys. And so one is going to be seven in a couple of weeks. And the other one is eight. He'll be nine later this year. And I swear the grocery bill just keeps going up. And I'm like, how am I going to make more money so I can afford to feed these two? Stop them covers, baby. Stop them covers. I know. And you have three, right? Yeah, I have three. Uh, so... I don't know how anyone could look at a mom who is raising children, even if it's just one child on their own and just not, not admire them. You know, it doesn't matter how that came about. Yes. How can you not admire a mom who's raising a child alone? How could you not? Yeah, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And I feel like, Every milestone and every like, you know, there's just challenges along the way, but there's so many really great things. Can you speak to any of like the fond memories you have, even in the midst of all this chaos? Yeah, I mean, there are lots and I'll just name a few because hopefully it will resonate. Yes. Well, like when we were in that apartment and the neighbor was downstairs and the kids, I want to keep them quiet because I didn't want to disturb the neighbors. And one day, the first time ever, when they were about 10, 11, maybe around there, they started to fight. Uh-huh, because they do. 
And I, I didn't like that because their dad and their uncle always fought. And I'm one of those people, I run from chaos. I just run from anything that things start getting out of hand, I'm gone. <laughs> right? Yeah. You're like next state. Yeah. And I said to them, you know, he's your brother and you have to love him. And if you guys fight, then you're hurting me. And you know, <laughs> it took them till they were like, in their early 20s before they fought again. Wow, that really hit them. Yeah, they, they just never fought again. And I mean, it was a little guilt trip, but whatever it takes. <laughs> the only thing I remember is that a lot of times, you know, when they got antsy, they're stuck in the house. And when they're tired of playing video game, they want to do something. So I always ask them to, you know, they'll go, mom, I'm bored. And I'll go read a book. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to read a book because they're boys. And I'll go, okay, just draw me a picture. And they would compete drawing pictures. And you know that I have boxes filled with those drawings. And they've become excellent at drawing and depicting, you know, my personas. You know, they're just so good at it. And that's because I just asked them, you know, draw me a picture. <laughs> yeah. And it really helped. And I said, when we were going to, when we we're driving to New York, we played a lot of songs. Jesus, take the wheel. Ray Charles, hit the road, Jack. And, just, and they remind me sometimes of those times when, you remember when we were coming to New York and we were, and, you know, it's just, yes. I mean, those times, so, you know, when they talk about it, you're like, oh my gosh, that was that that resonated with them, right? Yeah. And one last thing is that all this thing I'm telling you about the struggle, and uh, I didn't tell you about the time that you know when when hot dog was 99 cents a pack packet, and macaroni and cheese was 99 cents a packet, and the Kool Aid was 99 cents a packet. That's three dollars. That's dinner for two people. <laughs> But it's what I had at the time. Uh -huh. And I remind them, I say, it was really rough. And, you know, when now that they're adults, I'll say those things. But they'll go like, when? We don't remember them. Uh -huh. I was like, and all we could remember were the good times. There was one time we lived in a five-bedroom house in a neighborhood, and they're running around having fun. That's what they remember. They remember the time we went to a restaurant and ate and you know, just relax. And yeah. they remember the good things. They don't seem to remember the time, even when the woman complained and, you know, they, they were oblivious to all that's going on. So that's a good feeling to have looking back when you were all twisted up. Yeah. You know, kids are resilient and it's not as bad as you think, really. That's such a good reminder. Yeah. I think in the moment, right? All we're focusing on is how we're screwing things up or what we're not giving to them. Yeah. We're not providing. And I feel like that's a constant struggle yes. that goes on with folks who are trying to make it work. And for you to put that reminder out there and to share, like, they don't remember this. They remember all the special times we spent together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what they remember. Oh, I love them. Yeah. So your empty nest, your kids are out. I am curious because my kids struggle a lot with attachment because they're so used to always being with me. And I think I would struggle too. So can you talk about that process? 
Yeah, so it's <laughs> it's a big deal for me right now because I struggle with not having them around me. And it's funny that, you know, when you grow up in Jamaica, I mean, most kids can't wait to be 16 because that's when you leave home and go to school. You know, you go, go away for school. And then I keep telling everybody that, you know, I can't wait till they're 18. I can't wait till they're 18. They just got to get out of the house. 18 came, 20 came, 25 came. <laughs> and I, I found that I was a little scared of them leaving because I felt like I hadn't done enough to prepare them because they didn't, they didn't want to go to college. They're sharp as whips, you know. They didn't want to go to college. So I'm like, I'm scared because I'm thinking, how are they going to support themselves if they don't go to college? Right. And so I was in, I didn't prepare myself mm-hmm. to be independent. Right. And, and they prepare themselves. However, they figure it out in their heads. They're preparing themselves for independence. Right. But you are not. And that's something to remember. By the time they hit their mid-teens, you should have the plan you have in place for them to go to college and all that stuff. Make sure you have a parallel plan for you and what you are going to do when they're out of the house. Right. Because they're going to be out of the house one day. And that's why you struggle them to be normal human beings, you know, putting themselves out in the world. And giving of themselves to the world. They can't do that under your wings. Kick them mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so my advice is that is to prepare yourself because it's inevitable and it's not a loss. It's something for you to be proud of that you raise these humans. Right. Sometimes on your own. And now they're good enough, big enough, old enough. To raise their own humans. Right. And you did that work. Right. I'm sure that it's really, I mean, somewhat rewarding to see them now figuring it out, going, I did that. Yeah. Yeah, but we look at it that way, right? We're like, oh my God, you know, can he help? Can he manage it? You know, I need to call him. I need to text him. He's doing. He needs me. And I'm guilty of that. But it's something we're going to have to manage in a better way. Now, if we're married, if there's, you know, there's a partner, we turn our focus to the partner, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then we, whatever, I would divorce or whatever it is at that point, we have a different focus, but there are focus need to turn inwards. Something that's very difficult for solo moms, turn those thoughts inward. What are you here for? What do you want now out of life? What do you want in five or 10 or 20 years? out of life. It's time to start to put those plans into place when they're in their teens, especially the mid-teens, when you have an idea of the direction in life they're going to take. Yeah. They're going to take the path they want to take, no matter what you say. That's an important, yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is that you're, even in this um, seemingly selfish move to focus on yourself, this is helping them. Because you're strengthening yourself so that one, they can have someone to call and say, mom, what about this? And what about that? And two, they, they don't have to worry about you. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want your kids worrying about you. No, absolutely not. So, yeah. 
Take care of yourself. What was one thing, maybe it's now, or maybe it was while you were raising them that you made sure to do for yourself? That's a good question. Maybe it's learning. Okay. Because I've never stopped learning. It's, I've been reading, my granddad used to read to me from the time I was like, yay, hi. And I've never stopped reading. So it's something that has always gotten me over the hump as well. I remember after my third divorce and I was, I was just devastated by life, you know, myself. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Why is all this stuff happening? And I took out Tony Robbins and Joel Austin and I read every day and I journal and I thought about all the things that happen and what I want to happen going forward. And so those are things I did for me to make sure I'm a better person going forward. So I would say that's the number one thing. And another time I, I was running for the bus in Brooklyn to go to work, my body just wouldn't move. I realized I neglected my health. Yes. And so I started to walk. Good. And I would walk everywhere. And so that was for me to make sure that I got healthy and strong. And Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So good. So you have the podcast Solo Mom Talk. Solo Mom's Talk, yeah. Solo Mom's Talk, okay. And you do sharing stories there. What are you doing now for yourself? Empty nests. What's one thing you've started doing for yourself now that they're out of the house? You know, I'm not doing anything for myself per se, but because I have a problem, a big problem. (laughs) (laughs) And the problem is that I can't ever miss an idea. Like I can't let an idea go to waste. (laughs) I'm writing. I just started a YouTube channel. I started a second podcast and I'm blogging and, you know, somebody asked me the other day about money and I was like, you don't want to make money, you know, to me, if I didn't have to do this, I would still do it. So that's what I'm doing to myself. It's for yourself. It's like a creative outlet. It's, I mean, writing and blogging is, there's therapy involved in this too, right? So it is for you. Yes, it is. And interviewing all these moms is just so exciting. Yes. Yeah. I love it. And you're forming a community, which is how you started this conversation. I had a conversation about moms raising boys. And a lot of times I've seen on Facebook groups where solo moms talk about the fact that they don't need a man and the kid don't need this and they don't need that. and You may not need a man, but your kid, your child, children need a father. Hopefully their father, if the father is willing and able. But at the very least, find your child a male mentor. Yes, thank you. Who is a good, can be a good example to him. You know, especially for the male child. Like my youngest son, there was a time when he was, I, I, I realized what it was later on, but there was a time when he was a little bit confused about life. And I saw it came out in some kind of aggression. But then I took him to a pastor at my church and it was a youth pastor. And that man had a son as well. And that man treated my son like his own son in the kind ways and in the rough ways. Yes, yes. 
even now my son is an adult they they still communicate i mean they're still fighting but they're fighting like men who love each other you know yeah and so find your son a mentor this isn't about you it's about that child who needs a male role model because god didn't design it from women to raise children alone absolutely they do need that whether it's a coach or it's a pastor or it's a family member, somebody who keeps them those things. I 100% agree. And both of my boys have that. And I can't be that. And we need to provide that to them. So thank you for sharing that. So important. Yes. I love it. It was such a pleasure talking to you. And I appreciate your perspective from the other side, <laughs> right? Um, to be able to look back and acknowledge what was important and the challenges and, and how it shaped you and your kids. And I'm just so excited for you for your next chapter and being able to do all these amazing things with your time for yourself. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.